marketing etc takes you into topics and trends in business with a marketing view lens. Join your host Tokbe Ayedu, a multicultural and multi-industry marketing and business leader as he dives into his vast and diverse network to go into conversation with thought leaders and experts in business and marketing. Listen to Marketing Etc. on your favorite podcast platform and watch on YouTube. It was the management guru, Peter Drucker, who said marketing encompasses the entire business. It is the whole business seen from the point of view of its final result, that is, from the customer's point of view. This is the philosophy I subscribe to. Today on Marketing Etc. Welcome to another edition of Marketing Etc. Uh, this is a show where uh, I go into conversation with fantastic people I've, I've met in the course of my career. And we talk about business and, and marketing uh, and all that comes with that. And there will always be something for you to, to learn from what we discuss. Um, on this edition, I'm talking to someone who has been in the business of sports. I call it the business of sport for, for many, many years, for decades. And we're going to be talking actually about brands and sports marketing uh, today. My guest will introduce himself shortly, but I, I met him, well, I met him physically back in 2006, but I've met him on the on the screen uh, around 1993-1994 when I was still in university uh, quite a name in the business of sport across Africa uh, Emeka Enyadike welcome to the show Emeka thank you so much Tokwe um, you, 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 make, you make me feel very old when you say <laughs> uh, 1993 but um, that's how long I've been involved in, in, uh, in sports on on the media, um, but I will say I, I probably started a bit uh, earlier. Um, when I was in, in university, I was I was the team manager even, even when I was a teenager. So uh, sports has always been part of my DNA. And um, um, having studied business administration, uh, management, and marketing, part of my original uh, for, foray into um, school. And then um, starting my career in technical marketing, um, that that was a good foundation for me when I I delved into sports and, and sports business and sports media uh, because then I came with a strong strong background in, in marketing. And it's interesting, and 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 probably what uh, uh, most people will know Emeka for uh, across the continent of Africa today. Is his involvement as one of uh, uh, the presenters and, and analysts on the popular Soccer Africa on, on Supersport on, on DSTV, uh, which Emeka has been involved again. I'm not trying to make you look old, Emeka, but you know, you've been there for uh, as long as I can remember, you know, 15 years more than. Uh, no, actually, um, Soccer Africa is this is the 19th year. Um, I, I think it's. It's one of the big, the, you know, Supersport has been massive for um, 
the broadcast of Premier League, um, Super Rugby, and all of those big, big international uh, products, as um, UEFA Champions League and, and all. But I think we, with Soccer Africa, it's it's the biggest connection they have to the continent because it's it's a, it's a show that brings together all of the, the um, you know the stories, the uh, behind the scenes happenings, all the politics, the drama around African football. And it's got got a team. Uh, how how they manage to keep together um, uh, the core of the team for 19 years? You know, it's. And I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm very um, happy to be to have been part of the show from 2001 when it started um, up until today. So um, when I look at some of the photographs from early days, and I look at how we all look look now. Um, you know, it's, it doesn't seem like a lot has changed because <laughs> just, and then, you know, the passion and the commitment and then the followership, you know, with, with the era of social media, the engagement that we get as well, um, interaction with fans across Africa. African fans are, are, are really passionate and even with all of the, the um, distractions from, you know, they get taken, taken in by all of the Premier League and UEFA Champions League, La Liga and all of that. Um, Soccer Africa still reminds them that we have our, we have our African football. So, um, whilst NTA gave me uh, a platform to, to you know, get get national um, exposure, Soccer Africa also was good for our Pan African um, kind of framework. And I'm grateful to both NTA and also to SuperSport for um, for the platform that they gave me uh, to to become uh, so well known known in the area of uh, football and sports analysis. Yeah, and, and that's what I say when I look at your track record. It's, um, you you are not, yeah, we knew you first and foremost on NTA, you know, as an analyst and commentator on football. You know, I knew you when you were also an associate publisher of the Kickoff magazine uh, and you were the marketing director of, of that as well. Uh, you know, to you know, Deportivo Van Dyke. Uh, when and I think that was when we met. When when you, which we we'll, we'll talk about. It. I'd like to talk about that because there was something significant about it. You know, I, and you are you are a, a spot business person. Um, you're not you're not a presenter. You're not just an analyst. You are a sports business and that's what we're talking about today and i'm going to kick this off on the very note of where we are today in in the world at the beginning of the year um it was kind of projected that sports sponsorship will be you know will be seen an investment in the region of 80 billion dollars you know and boom we have the pandemic uh, uh came in which has affected every sphere of life, including sports. Um, the question is, what's your view on the future of sports sponsorship? If we take the pandemic into consideration, and I will give you, I will give you a contest. Um, Nelson, through their white space evaluation, have done this analysis and said, you know, now the football premiership, premier, the English premiership is back. They did evaluation and, and said the in the in stadium spaces uh, will actually give a brand more 
media exposure value than what they would normally have gotten. You know, because today there are no spectators in the stadium and all of that, you know, but just from the television point of broadcast point of view, there are spaces and zones on in the stadium that they believe if a brand could be placed there, it's going to give between £200,000 to £800,000 in media exposure value, which is greater than what the LED board would typically have given a major sponsor. You know, this seems to be the power of football and the power of television fused together. Uh, yet, we are saying there's pandemic, uh, things are not going to be the same again. What's your view on, on, on the future of sports sponsorship? It's the, the future of sports sponsorship is is bright, um, despite all the, the doom and gloom um, that we've seen, and and what what we've experienced in the last um, I would say last six months, because even from January there was a lot of trepidation and and you know people were confused, they didn't know where, where we could go. The outlook looked the outlook was quite good in terms of um, how we go from some of the gains from last year. Um, and a lot of it had to do with um, the evolution of digital media and, and some of the um, new platforms that were being created. Um, but a lot of them targeted fans. And, and whilst you know, you, you, we've seen um, an uptick in terms of um, new stadiums being developed, we saw Tottenham in London with massive billion, dollar, billion pounds um, stadium. Uh, we've seen things like Liverpool expanding their stadium, Chelsea's getting involved in building a new stadium. Everton just signed a deal to do a new stadium. The whole idea is to be able to create more opportunities and platforms for them to uh, provide better match experiences for fans who are coming to the stadium. And then, you know, if you go to the States in Atlanta, um, you know, um, we, we, you have a, a football team or soccer, as they say, in the States, um, you know, with a stadium that costs, costs billions. Um, and suddenly a team in America is having more fans in, into the stadium than a lot of the teams in, in, in Europe. That says a lot about the progress in terms of how you engage with the fans. But the, the biggest um, biggest growth that we saw in the last two, three years has been in, in how far um, club teams and, and other properties are able to engage with um, with fans who are watching at home. And, and that's because of, of the evolution of the, the idea of the second screen, third screen, which, watching with their phones and following all of these platforms. We've seen the evolution of esports. Yeah. Um, and, and so when when we got to the, the point in the pandemic where uh, first and foremost all the sporting sporting live sports got shut down because everyone really really had to had to shut down. Um, for for the most part um, you know two things happened to sponsorship. One was um, if you look at and I'm glad you gave the, the example from Nielsen about uh, what people can see on, on the screen. But the biggest um, uh, you know, way to measure it is to look at um, who the biggest sponsors were. And you know, in no particular order, um, airlines have become increasingly big part of the, the sponsorship ecosystem. Um, betting companies, sports betting companies, um, you know, uh, mobile companies, um, electronics, um, and then some, some of the, the, the things that we've seen is when there are no flights, 
that means the airlines are losing a lot of money, which means that a lot of the big clubs, you know, you know, for instance, Arsenal Stadium is 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 they've got to deal with with the Emirates, the Shetty's Emirates, Etihad, um, you know, Qatar Airways, uh, Turkish Airlines. So a lot of those airlines play a big role, uh, not only in terms of flying them, but also being able to sell uh, to them. If you bring it down to Africa, we 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 had Rwanda um, with a deal with Arsenal, which was geared towards bringing people to come there. And over the last six months, who's traveling and or going on holiday? So, you know, from from a sponsorship impact, um, the two things happen here. One of one of which is um, a lot of the, the major sponsors are impacted by not making enough money or not or not making money at all through this period where where there is many activity. Mm. And then secondly, in terms of delivery delivering value to them as well. Um, the, the, those, those platforms that they put in um, haven't, haven't have happened. But, you know, the, the, the human, uh, the triumph of the human endeavor has resulted in this scenario where we now have live sports back, yeah. uh, but without fans. Yeah. And so, so to take into context um, the idea of uh, there are no fans in the stadium, so Two things are missing. One, all of the, ex- the excitement and the exchanges that happens in the stadium with, you know, the reactions to goals and, and events in the, uh, in the pitch. Um, all of the revenues going out from there is kind of supplanted by one, the, the artificial sounds that are created, yeah. and then also um, the whole idea of having uh, the, the big banners across yeah. The, yeah. The, the. Now with that. Um, you know, we, there's always been questions for for everyone who's involved in this in this industry. To what extent is the value that the, the pitch panels and the and the, yeah. the, the the brand displays? How much do they see? This is measurable, and and then, and then we've seen now there's an opportunity. Um, probably over the next six months, could be twelve months. We don't know how far this is going to go. You know, there's a new opportunity then for. For brands to be able to see, okay, look, now we're going to be able to see more of it because um, what has happened now is without with fans not going to the stadium, the, the TV viewership numbers will increase. Yeah, correct. And then the value in terms of of the size of the of the banners then means that invariably um, sponsors are getting a bit more value. Yeah. So yeah. Um, to claw back on some of the losses that they that they've had in the last couple of of months, they now have an opportunity to be able to do. Um, a bit more, but uh, I won't go too much into the, the digital side of it. Uh, but let's just focus on on this and see that that you know there there is now even more opportunity because uh, we've seen the use of of Zoom and other tools to bring fan reactions from our, from around the world. So rather than have just second screen, we have we're having greater fan engagement and fan. Involvement in yeah. in, the, in the in the game being brought to the screen, so it will come to a point where even all of that interaction with the fans, you might have a scenario where even sponsors, um, logos and other uh, marketing, you know, uh, props will be brought into. Yeah. In- yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, it, it's um, yeah. It's interesting you you said that because your 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 position is definitely agreeing with. Uh, uh, what this white space valuation is also saying to say, look, uh, uh, you know, depending on which zone in the stadium, you know, now with the 
power of television and uh, appropriate positioning in the stadium you you know as a brand you actually you will get more media exposure value and i'm emphasizing that media exposure value because my next question is around one odd topic in 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 sports sponsorship in sponsorship in general but then in sports sponsorship in in particular uh which is the subject of sponsorship accountability uh yes. you not and and, and I'm, i'm speaking to you because you are not just uh you've not just been involved in owning sponsorship properties you've also been on the side of being the user of of sponsorship yes. products so as a, a on the client side and then more on the agency side if i put it that way so accountability is one big topic it's what what i face uh, all the time in my career as well uh the ceos and the cfos they perennially putting pressure on on the chief marketing officers to show how they will not just measure but grow the financial contribution of this sponsorship properties that you know they are getting involved with uh the the marketing accountability standards board masb says that 78% of brands say the pressure to prove the financial contribution of uh, sponsorship assets has increased in the last two years 60% of chief marketing officers say they face pressure to show the impact of sponsorship investment on the shareholders value interestingly we believe that the the benefit of sponsorship is quite obvious you know we we just talked about it how the resilience the passion point how people connect and all of that but is something missing here why do we still have this struggle to prove the you know the contribution of sponsorship to the bottom line I think the I think the problem is is down to the fact that a lot of the the, the people who are who are elevated to the to the point of chief marketing officers um, have come through the traditional marketing routes where you know they, they 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 get trained on on all of the all of the core values of advertising and traditional models. Uh, but what we've seen, uh, particularly around entertainment and sports, has been you know almost you know a massive disruption. Which has been occasioned by by um, technological advances, new uh, new ways of thinking, and and then now you've got you've got almost like an intersection between um, you know if you, if you look at TV for instance, the question you ask yourself is what is TV? You know, there's a huge huge um, huge confusion about what TV is um, because TV is not like the box that you watch where there's scheduled programming. There's also a huge shift in terms of consumption patterns so so you have um you know people now able to to uh, binge watch watch tv um they the only thing that that still retains the core of traditional tv uh, standards or models um is live sports because with live sports and news so new with news uh, the question then at the end of the day is you know you might not get the news from tv uh, before when it breaks someone has posted it somewhere on social media so you will find it but with live sports um you have to watch it on 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 the platform then you got streaming you got a few more, more 
other platforms that they are able to do it. And we've seen with disruption, it's come to a point where it's affected in, in the US, it's affected um, companies like ESPN and the rest to the point where they've had to create um, those kind of platforms. I mean, I mean Turner Group bought Bleacher Report with um, a website and they turned it into a platform where you can stream. So you get to a point where as a, as a marketing um, professional, you're, you've got to understand where all of that is coming in and how you are able to um, to align your strategy to be able to, to um, follow the, the evolution. Otherwise, you, you might be, be um, taking on the, the normal traditional approach to say, I'm going to back the sponsorship or the production from a particular uh, framework and then there's there's new platforms that are being being coming that have been coming through there and then you also have to have to understand um the makeup of the of the consumers yeah because at the end yeah. of the day um the the whether the, whether it's the gen z's or it's millennials you know there's an there's almost like an overlap in terms of how much influence they are able to have have on them so uh for a lot of the, the much younger audience they, some of them don't want to watch the entire game. They they are more interested in the interaction that goes around. around it. Yeah. And and the biggest influence to a lot of this is many of them have grown up um, in in the in the gaming world, which uh, uh, gaming and also some of these electronic platforms where uh, the likes of of PlayStation and and Xbox have influenced their perception. So you find. Uh, someone who's not exactly a football fan but is a gaming fan plays with PlayStation, knows all the teams, plays and, and enjoys it, but you know, sits in front of TV to watch the actual players and doesn't have any 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 fun with them. So you find that more and more sponsors are putting are, are putting um their investment from some of those TV platforms because the thing about it about some of these new platforms is is you can actually measure and see in real time mm. who's engaged platforms, and then you you find that even with uh, I'll give an example with the, the broadcast of the of the NBA, for instance, you find that um, some of the the much younger fans are a lot more interested in who's showing the highlights of you know LeBron James does something uh, phenomenal, someone does something. Magical, and that is repeated over and over, and it's shared within their groups, and it's shared to the audience. You find people who are able to use some of those those models into um, other platforms, like you've got TikTok now, you've got Snapchat, and some other other ones. So, um, how you how you're able to to as a brand, um, you know, play um, with with some of these platforms will determine whether. How much money you're investing in the mainstream traditional yeah. um, platforms get more audience because it's clear that if the only way you can get people there, even to traditional websites, to yeah. to um, audio communication, to, yeah. to live video, yeah. you still have to draw them in from some of those other platforms. So if you don't have a holistic um, mindset and, and you also don't have strategic thinkers within the, the marketing orbit, where even if it's the, the, the CMO is, is a traditional marketing guy, he must have um, people around him, particularly with, with the core 
digital and tech um, you know, background who provide him with, with the right support. Um, he might just be, be losing his money in the direction. And at the end of the day, um, the, the CEO is going to be looking at the bottom line and not necessarily um, where, where he's, he's putting that. So that, what, what, what has changed, particularly with the pandemic now, is that you, have to, you, have, you, you now have a scenario where you have to justify every expenditure. Yeah. And, and the question then at the end of the day is, um, how much of it is, you know, are you able to, to do? Because the danger is that things have become a lot more realistically measurable to the point where, where you can align every expenditure and benchmark it against how yeah. much it brings in, in terms of, of, um, of revenue. Yeah. So it, no one is going to fool around with the lean budgets that they're going to have now. Um, without being able to match it with, with what is happening. And some of these changes are happening so fast that uh, you just have, I mean, just with the, the restart, something significant happened with, with broadcast of Premier League. Because of the weather, they have a break. They have a break between, yep. between in, in, in each, each half to allow the players taking water and all of that. It's something that we saw in the Olympics in, in, um, in uh, Beijing in 2010. Yep. And there's a major event in the tropics happening in the summer but what we saw um is something that has made football attractive in, uh, in, in the u.s for many years because they always wanted to have a um to have three half not not just the half time they wanted to have four 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 quarters yeah in the like, game. like, like, like basketball to, <laughs> it appeals to basketball and, and nfl and all of, all of those so when you find that there's a window now where when you have that water break, there's no point the camera focuses on 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 the players drinking water. That's an opportunity for for some commercial. And in the heat of the moment, it's even a much better 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 space than halftime because at halftime you know the game has stopped. Yeah, people in the stadium will go and drink water. Yeah, you go away. You go away for 15 minutes. Fifteen minutes. <laughs> it's a break that even the fans, the viewing fans, will not leave their set because yeah. they don't realize how long it takes the referee to call everyone back to the game. So. Yeah. You know, it's it's that kind of evolution, which um, it's almost like like the marketing people have to be uh, have to be sitting sitting uh, you know, how they have to be like a fly on the wall, whatever decisions are taken by the properties to see yeah. how they then they then quickly think through um, how to how to align. Every time I'm watching the game now, I'm thinking this is marketing marketing gold. It's 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 something that. You know the brands will realize that. Sorry, not the, the properties will realize that. Maybe they need to keep this as a permanent feature, even post-pandemic, because I suddenly they realize that yeah. there's there's more more value there. Because quite frankly, right now, many of them are going to lose um, a lot of their sponsorships, and they'll do anything. They'll, they they have never been a, a scenario where they're able to to adapt. Um, you know, almost to kind of please sponsors than yeah. than what you have now. Yeah. It's a wrap on this edition of Marketing Etc. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and on YouTube to be notified of new editions as they come on.